beautiful people. If it's around nine o'clock, it's time for Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. Happy wet, rainy Wednesday. Hey, Harry Joes, wherever you are. And maybe there'll be word on the street in about 20 minutes or so. I hope everybody is well. I am well. I've been drinking um, chia seeds in the morning, Harry. You've been, you've been drinking what? Chia seeds. Oh, chia seeds. The chia seeds, right? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it kia or chia? Chia. Chia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> drinking that. It's it's kind of weird. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's crunchy, slimy. Yeah, slimy more than anything. But crunchy too. Yeah. They don't taste like anything. So I've been drinking, having a glass every morning. You know, some a half a tea, a teaspoon, two, two or three teaspoons in water. I let it sit for like 10, 15 minutes and I drink it. So so right now I'm the secretary and everything here. I'm answering phones. <laughs> are you are you near are you downtown? Uh, yeah, I'm in I'm in the studio, but um Layla had to step away from the desk and that's why I was starting your show. And people started coming in. I was like, ooh. See, this is why we need a we need a new studio. I'm just saying. You know, the Marcy was sitting there, but they were speaking in Spanish, so it was like uh, I think Harry's gonna have to help you too. Uh, don't you speak Spanish too? Oh, but she, they're talking too fast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you gotta you say meet You gotta say meet a meet a A lot of times with me, it's the same thing. I'm like, oof, I catch every third word when they're talking about that. But uh, yeah. So anyway, happy hump day. I know. Happy hump day, indeed. It is uh. These times are flying by. Like Harry, it's Thanksgiving next week. What are y'all are y'all having turkey? Do y'all have a traditional Puerto Rican Thanksgiving? Like, do you have all the Puerto Rican food? Um, I guess <laughs> Puerto Ricans eat regular food. <laughs> oh, uh, so we, we're having turkey. Harry, you know damn well what I mean. Pajole. We're having turkey, ham. I don't think they're having pigeon peas at, at Paul's house, so I know damn well. <laughs> Mac and cheese. Um, They're not having that at, at white people's house. No. Um, <laughs> Bella's, Bella's been cooking, so she's going to make her special green beans. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a lot of food. Um, My daughter-in-law, my son's wife, is bringing, um, she's making country biscuits. Oh, okay. She's from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. She's white, um, though, so, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so did she make them though? Does she? <laughs> she have, no, actually, have, you, brought, have you had them before? <laughs> she's brought, yeah, she's brought. They're pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna have any biscuits. This That's right. They ain't but, on the point system. <laughs> yeah, the biscuits ain't gonna work. Mm-mm. Um, the poultry and uh, the vegetables are gonna work out fine for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna indulge on a little bit of rice. A li- well, a little bit of rice, but also the pie. I'm, that I'm going to eat. <laughs> okay. 
that's where I'll indulge. But well, you got enough points, so you know what I mean. Like you're not over, you're not overshooting your points. Bab, Bab, somebody just came in. Let me. I'll be right back. See, see, this cannot be happening with my show. Look at this. See how quiet I am? This cannot be happening on my show. It's all right. I don't know. I haven't heard from Paul, so I don't know if he got out the door yet or if he feels like doing word on the street today. <laughs> I don't, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> That's my thing. No pressure. No pressure. Uh, I will tell you, though, at, at my 10 o'clock hour, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, um, Daryl Roth coming up. Now, Daryl Roth is a award-winning producer, and she holds the singular distinction of producing seven Pulitzer Prize-winning plays on Broadway. She is the proud recipient of 13 Tony Awards and London's Olivier Award. Um, she has She has over... 125 award-winning productions, including Kinky Boots, uh, Angels in America, uh, Company, Funny Girl, uh, Edward Albee's The Goat, or Who is Sylvia, uh, Indecent, Into the Woods. Uh, I mean, she, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and she is a trustee of the John... F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts and Lincoln Center Theater. So she is in the mix for real. Um, and she was honored to have been inducted into the Theater Hall of Fame. So she is going to be my guest. Um, the Schwartzman Center is having uh, an event on the 17th tomorrow where they are hosting three amazing women producers in conversation at the Schwartzman Center. And uh, and she is one of them. And it's going to be something, right? This is quite phenomenal. Um, let me tell you who they, I could tell you who they are. So uh, Daryl Roth, Broadway producer, Zibby Owens, who is a memoirist and essayist and podcaster, and uh, Camila Forbes, who is a producer uh, at the Apollo Theater. So they're going to be in conversation at the Schwarzman Center tomorrow from 12 to two. Uh, bring a lunch. It's called From the Page to the Stage, Women in Producing. Um, and so I, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing conversation. I won't be able to attend uh, because I've got a few things I have to do before I run up to uh, Providence for the weekend or for Friday into Saturday. Well, that's like the weekend. Um, but uh, I hope people go and hear them. But anyway, I'm going to have each of these women um, on my show over the next couple of days, starting with uh, Daryl Roth this morning on Bro uh, from Broadway uh, at 10.15. And then uh, the 21st, I'll have Zibby. And then on the 22nd, I'll have Camila. So I, I listen, this is a week of talking, let me tell you. Yesterday, I so enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Natasha Wright. We, I'm gonna do some stuff with her. I have got to do some stuff with her. So she said she enjoyed herself and it felt very organic. And I take that as a high compliment because I'm not your average talker, host. 
you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't ask questions just for the sake of asking questions. When I talk to people, I am genuinely interested in them. So there's that. So I'm excited to uh, talk to her today and to hear about, you know, what excites her and what still makes her want to do this work on Broadway and produce plays and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and she has a connection to Long Wharf Theater, which I'm going to bring up when I talk to her. Tomorrow, I've got Sean Hardy and uh, Adri a a uh, Andrea Daniels. They've got a production coming up um, that they want to talk about, and I want to talk to them. Plus, I like I like Sean Hardy. <laughs> and then Friday, I've got Chef Vincent um, Chirico. And he is the owner of the new Mediterranean contemporary restaurant uh, called... Uh, Oh, what is it called? It's 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 coming up, and uh, I didn't write it down. But by the time he gets here on Friday, I'll know it like a poet. <laughs> so, um, so I'm I'm very interested in talking to him. Plus, you know what? I just love talking to chefs. I, chefing these days is very different than chefing when I was a kid. You know, I mean, the possibility. It's no, it's the same chefing. It's the possibilities of what you can do with that art and that artistry has just grown exponentially. I mean, chefs are celebrities now. So I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to uh, talk to him. Uh, Luke, Luke, the Luke Brasserie, the Luke Brasserie. So I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to uh, talk to him about what it means to open a, A restaurant in these times, you know, and and did he learn anything during COVID, right? Uh, did he learn anything, and and how does he apply that? So that's the conversation on Friday, <laughs> and then and then I jump in my car and run up to run up to Providence. <laughs> uh, I run up to Providence, and. Uh, uh, and that's what I'm gonna do. So, uh, so yeah. So thanks for hanging out and uh, hanging in. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm doing 50 million things. Uh, uh, yes. So that's who I'm talking to the rest of this week. And then next week I've got an, another nice before we break for Thanksgiving. Now I've got a bunch of folks that I'm talking to, which is really nice. And I end the week with uh, with. Uh, Rachel Calder, uh, Nail Buff, and Sophia. You know, they wrote this little book called, you know, uh, My Little Red Book. And uh, and it's about girls and their women, girls, women, and their menstruation cycles or what that looks like or means. So I'm out that game happily. Um, but I was so intrigued by this because I guess this could have been a game changer had I had this when I was a young woman going starting out. Um, so I'm sure it's going to be a a real uh, plus for young women coming into this uh, into this part of womanhood. So so I'm excited about that. And uh, and then we break for Thanksgiving. You know, and we take a break from the Yale Access to Law School. Uh, we take a break. We come back December 3rd. Uh, so I'm going to spend my Thanksgiving catching up 
on everything that I missed for these last three months. <laughs> oh my God. I'm gonna try to do three months in three days. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna spend my time reading, reading, reading so I could be caught fully up. It has been uh it has been uh uh it has been a ride. And you know, listening to uh uh the previous the students who are in law school and talking about how much time you have to commit to studying for the LSAT. And I'm like, holy cow, I it has been uh I, I've not found my rhythm for studying yet. And uh and it's be and I don't know why. I don't I don't know why. No, I put in some time, but not not nearly enough time as I thought or I should. So I've got to uh, step that up a little bit. And, you know, stay out the streets. <laughs> but that's really not it either. I mean, it's that's 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 only a small part of it, because, you know, I, you know, we make we all make room in time. We all make room in time for the things that we want to do. Right. Just do. And. uh Yay, here comes Paul with Word on the Street. Word on the Street, which we love. So I don't know where Harry is. He's, no, 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 being, a, being an administrative assistant. The receptionist for Lavos right now. <laughs> so doing double duty. I hope they're paying him. <laughs> so Paul's coming on. And uh, yay, come through. Come on. All right, can't wait. So uh, I'm waiting for him. Um, I don't know, uh, Harry. Oh, Harry, oh, there he is. Paul is coming in. All right. Hey, good morning. You have to unmute yourself. Unmute yourself. Unmute yourself. I know I need to mute. I had to do a couple of things. All I'm, right. on Willa, I'm on, what's the name on? What's <laughs> no, this is um, Mechanic. This is Nickelstein. Nickelstein with oh, Estelita and my new buddy Lucas. Oh, he's and that's Ivy. Hi, I know good morning. I'm in love with Lucas immediately. He's got a very intense stare. I so know, Est look at him. Estelita and Lucas are outside Mactivity Gym. Uh -oh. Apparently, they got some stuff to do this morning. They dropped off their brother. There's some Zoom meetings the afternoon. But I had a hunch this might be mom and son time oh, in the yeah. meantime. Oh, yeah. So, Lucas and I hit up East Rock Park. We met all of our morning friends. We gave them smiles and a little bit of spit up. <laughs> and, and then nice diaper chain. And then mom, Where are you at the oh no, I work for movies. Uh -huh. Out of New Jersey, we're moving to DC. We do advocacy for all moms across the melanated spectrum to make sure they're getting fair care and resources they need for their families. Well, that sounds interesting. And I want to ask you a little bit about that in a minute. But well, we always start out saying, but what's the word on the street? So what's happening right the now? Word on the street is, it's wet out here. It is <laughs> fall in New Haven. I hope you have your galoshes, your Wellington, <laughs> your duck boots, and possibly a hat. And we got an umbrella here, just yeah. for the record. But I mean, like, what brought you to this spot? 
Oh, well, Nativity is great because they have a gym in the back. They have co-working space in the front. They always have coffee and tea on the ready. And it's baby friendly. They got shade and tables. So you came in, you come in here like it's a regular stop in the morning? Oh, yeah. Is this like part of your morning routine? It's part of my morning routine. My son goes to the foot school, which is way up Canada Street. We come down, we hit up, uh, like I said, East Rock Park, and then we park at Nativity for a bit. And do you go in and do you work out or do you get the coffee? Or what do you do? Uh, I'm not that at that part of my postpartum well, journey yet, but it's part of the morning routine you have. Yeah. And when it's raining, how does that change? It doesn't. You know, the, the trees the give us some shelter. Mm -hmm. The benches are not that wet. And this stroll has got plastic, so mm -hmm. the rain doesn't stop us. Did you get coffee? I had coffee. I brought coffee from home. Uh -huh. The whole 25 ounces. So I'm ready to go. Oh, Coffee. my God. <laughs> 25 ounces of coffee. And how are things going? Like, what's the word on the street? Things are great. You know, it's we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Friday is our last day of the week. So we're going to finish strong. We got some spit up for you. <laughs> that. When, when was Lucas born? <laughs> Lucas was born in July. July 2nd, a little early, but also right on time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he's your second. He's my second. My older son, Jacob, just made 11 on November 10th. And he's in fifth grade at the Smith School. He loves his school. Shout out to Mrs. Lennon and our principal, Alewa Cooper, who was fantastic. So, Estelina, one of the things that's interesting to me, partly because I have a daughter, maybe around your age, just had her second kid in okay. September, is this juggling. You seem so freaking calm. <laughs> just, well, just noticing you. this <laughs> thank you i appreciate that it was a long time coming the first two or three months uh, were interesting but we're out of the woods i will say though that the gap is the biggest thing you know i forgot how to be a mom <laughs> 11 years. years yeah yeah so um, i'm relearning everything but this is the, the the most fun i've had riding a bike so to speak uh-huh and i guess one thing i'm saying in sort of admiration is that I'm listening to you about all the things you're juggling. So you got Jacob yeah. to school. Mm -hmm. You got this routine now with um with your with your new son, uh -huh. where you go to the park, you see people, you come to an activity and hang, which yeah. is very sweet to have routines. Yeah. But you also had mentioned that you're going to do some Zoom work at noon. Yeah. How do you figure that all in? Do you not have time off as a new mom? You know, um, I started having children. I would say at a good time. So when I was 25, I was 25 and I enjoyed 25 and 26 and 27 and 28. And I got it, I'm not gonna say out of my system, but I gave it a good run. And now I'm happy to be Jacob's mom and Lucas's mom. And how old were you when you had, if you don't mind me asking Jacob? Jacob, I was 29. See, we're all the same. Yeah. My wife was 29, my daughter was 30. And it's kind of interesting that a lot of people who have the choices yeah. seem to be doing that. I'm not saying that as a social scientist, I don't have the numbers. No, but, it's, you know. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good observation because I have some friends that had children right out of college. And they're like, hey, Aslita, want to go for drinks? Been there, done that, girl. Nope, I want some tea. <laughs> and I want some Hulu. I don't want any drinks. What's Hulu? I'm sorry. Streaming. Oh, Hulu streaming the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to drink some tea. I want to make sure my kids are socially, emotionally, and and academically well. Mm -hmm. And I want to go to sleep. <laughs> now, do you are working though? Did you take any time off when you first had? Yeah, maybe? yeah. Actually, from about the end of May, I told you I had Lucas July second. From the end of May until the last couple of weeks, honestly. So you're easing back into the work. Yeah. And I remember that when I was a young parent too, you're thinking ahead, you're, you're cherishing every moment with your kid mm -hmm. and you're thinking, how am I gonna juggle this? Well, I have that time at noon. Like, do you have a scheduled meeting at noon on Zoom? 
I do have a sales meeting today. One thing I, I've had to do is let go of my image of perfection. It's not going <laughs> to go like that. You know, last week I was on a Zoom and I was like, you hear Lucas back there, right? Well, this is Lucas, you know, Lucas is with us today. And it was okay. You know what? Because I'm not the first person to have babies. Everyone. Well, if it. I was the other person, Zoom call, I'd say, yay, this Zoom call just got a lot more interesting. I get to look <laughs> yeah. at Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I let go of, of that. Oh my gosh, he has to be perfectly quiet. I one Zoom meeting and he screamed bloody murder. I said, okay, we're not doing that again. <laughs> Fun when he's on Zoom with us, right, Luke? And are you feeling, are you part-time work? Is there even a way to describe it? Right now it? it's part-time, but I'll be going back full-time. And if you don't mind asking, you single mom? Some days. <laughs> no, I have help. I have uh, help, yeah. Okay. And um, tell me about things in general. How, how, what neighborhood do you live in? I actually commute from New York City. You live in New York City? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I used to drive, now I take the train because the driving was What time did stressful. you get up today? Four. You, did you get kids up at four? Yeah. You brought them on the train what? from New York? Yeah. Where in New York? Uh, we live in the Bronx. And what? At Metro North, like yeah. 125th? Uh, we take it from Fordham, actually. So we take the bus across town to Fordham, and then we get on the 607 train. Why do you come to New Haven? Well, I'm actually, I grew up in New Haven. My parents met at Yale. Uh, we lived here for a long time, and I decided that this is where I wanted to move back. So we're waiting, actually, for 575 Whitney to open up so we can get an apartment there. So in other words, you got, you, did you get you, your older son in foot anticipating you moving yeah. back? Yeah. So how long have you been doing this commute? Uh, this is our second year. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. So Are last year kidding? we drove, and then the road raids got the best of me. <laughs> so, I don't blame you on that one. Yeah. So do you plan a whole day of stops before you go back to the Bronx? No, I, I really just, you Like, know, where do you go Zoom? Yeah. So you spend the day at activity? Sometimes, yeah. Are you like a member or something? No, you don't have to be to use the common space. Wow. So in other words, am I right in assuming that you got up at four? Mm -hmm. You got two kids out of the house. Yeah. You got a bus, you got the train. Yeah. You came to New Haven, you got to school I made time. Lunches. I made breakfast. And what, how do you get them to foot from the train station? Usually we take the bus. We'll take the bus straight up Whitney and then we'll- Boy, you, It's nice that the free now the bus. I took yeah, this one. Yeah, this morning we took taxi though. I can't believe how you get around. Yeah. And then you do your Zoom meetings at activity. Mm -hmm. And then what time do you pick up Jacob from foot? Three. And does he do the homework on the bus or something? Yes. Well, sometimes. Oh, he'll do it at home. They have a like 15 minute homework yeah. policy. So it's never- That's a good policy. Time. I like yeah. that about mm -hmm. them. So, Estelita, can I go back step by step to follow your mass transit journey? <laughs> Four o'clock, you got up, you made breakfast and lunch. Uh -huh. What did you get him for breakfast and lunch? So, he had a bagel and cream cheese for breakfast. Jacob. Um, yes. Then for lunch, he has a turkey and cheese sandwich, grapes, and he twisted my arms to get him Swiss rolls. So, he has Swiss yeah. rolls as well. <laughs> what time did you get out of the house? Um, about three minutes after five. And you caught bus did you catch? We caught the 42 bus from Drosneck where we live. And then we took it across town to the 15 bus to Fordham Road. And then we got on the train there, the Metro North. And the Metro North, mm -hmm. what? Metro North, Fordham Road. Yeah. Oh, that's the slow one. <laughs> okay, so then you got, then you got into, you got into to Union Station what time? I think about 7.52. And what bus did you catch? Uh, we actually didn't take the bus this morning, we took a taxi because they're doing ERB testing. So you had to be there bright and What early. bus do you usually get? I think it's a 2.72. Okay. And then you, I was still known by the numbers. Like yesterday, yeah. that's when I took the B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you then walked from foot to East Rock Park. Yeah. Which part of East Rock Park? 
Um, the part on what's that? College Woods. The Canada Cart- Street. I don't. I don't know. But then you hung out how long there? Uh, 15, 20, Not too long. You saw other kids. Training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you came to activities, kind of your your base operations. Yeah. You went. You got your. I bet you did a diaper change. Maybe. We do a diaper change at school. Okay. So we go to the bathroom at school. Another changing table. <laughs> we do our diaper change there in the morning. And now you're just hanging some kind of nice time with with yeah. uh, with mm-hmm. the boy. And then at noon, you're you're looking at a uh, at a zoom. What does he do when you're zooming? Babble. Okay. <laughs> and you found. I can't believe I hold together. I got to tell you, I'm in awe. Thank you. Like, how do you have energy? What time do you go to bed? I'm not sure. 8.30 most of the time. Yeah. Oh, and my you're able God. To mm-hmm. You are amazing. Oh, thank you. So when are you coming to Whitney, you think? When are they going to have ready? July 1st is the date that they've That's given us. a long us. time. I'm sorry. I said July 1st. I'm in January 1st. Okay. It's coming. Okay. It's coming January up. 1st. Uh-huh. Oh, I can't wait. You're going to yeah. be here. You're going to be able to, like, roll out of bed at 6. And you're going to be able to like yeah. have five more minutes with the oatmeal if you That's have oatmeal. Right. Oh, man. Right. No more instant oatmeal. We're going to do old-fashioned. All right. Can I hear a little bit about um, the Melanie Moms? Melanie the Moms. Yes. So the founder is Jay Wilson. Um, Jay was an LPN. And after having her own children, she recognizes disparities in healthcare and the need for advocacy for breastfeeding, for healthy birth, for VBACs. And she became that voice. So as I said, she's moving from New Jersey where she's made a lot of strides to DC. So now she's in the place where she can sort of get things done. Mm -hmm. And since she moved this summer, she's been on a conference tour, shaking hands, kissing babies, meeting all the people that she needs to know to make sure that she's getting the resources necessary to move our uh, efforts forward. And what is your role? I've been working <laughs> as a jack of all trades, a little this, a little that. I came in wanting to do um, improvements to our member base, and I ended up touching everything. Um, I have an MBA, I have a business background, where, like I said, Jay's in the healthcare space. So I'm able to bring sort of that chief of staff sort of eye to her work awesome. um, and, and formalize things a bit. And it, just very briefly, you grew up in New Haven? I grew up in New Haven for a bit until we moved to the Bronx eventually. Okay, where did you get your MBA? I got my MBA at Case Western uh-huh. after getting my bachelor's at Williams College. Go East. All right. Fabs, <laughs> do you have any questions for us? Oh, Lita? my God. I have all kinds of questions. I think you should just call in and be on my show. Oh, no well, I mean, you are my show, but like be on my show show for like an hour because this oh, is I am fascinated. So, yeah. So, Paul, make sure you get her contact information because I, I am fascinated by this. Black girl magic for real. I, so, magic squared or maybe yeah, make sure to look up melanated moms great, I great know melanated moms i know, you know melanated, melanated moms yes girl i know melanated great, moms. i love to hear it yes i know all that stuff so it is uh it is a pleasure to meet you so you're moving in you're moving in january yes and so that means uh you're gonna make this your home for a little while yes yes i grew up um we lived at 630 george street we lived at 50 Howe Street. We lived on Chapel Street. We lived on Dwight. My dad used to have an apartment across the street from the Y. How so, old were you when you moved? Eight. So you remembered all that. We have a lot of history here in New Haven. And like I said, my father was an international student. This is his first home in the U.S. Where was he from? He's from Ghana. Mm-hmm. And he came and he brought all his brothers. And so this is really a home base for me. I feel a certain warmth when I'm in New Haven. And I'm happy to be here. You made such a choice to come back here. Yeah, very I know. Deliberate. And my son loves it too. 
It's been great. It's nicer in the Bronx. It's nicer in the Bronx. You, yeah, you realize you realize you're an advertisement for like the new New Haven. You get that? Right. Listen, we left <laughs> at the height of the bankruptcy when the town was bankrupt. We said we got to get the hell out of Dodge. So coming back to this New Haven has been such a treat. I just can't believe I met you. I, I feel like the luckiest reporter. In <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, Babs, so why don't we say bye for now? I'll get her contact info. You could have a long chat on a Zoom. Why, why, uh, why, um, with my Zoom buddy. How's that sound, Babs? Yes, I love that idea. And that baby is adorable. Unbelievable. And he really locks eyes. It's really <laughs> sweet. He's a very sweet little boy. Thank you. Well, Babs, this is Paul from Word on the Street. I love Babs, love talk at WNHHFM with Estelita on, you said it's what city we're on? We're on Nickel Street. On Nickel Street in New and Haven. Back to me. Yeah. All right. Bye -bye. Well, thank you so much, Paul. This was a treat for real. <laughs> oh, I love that. See, this is why we do Word on the Street because we would have never, I would have never ran into her, I don't think, if Paul wasn't over there. I don't know why Paul's way over there on Nickel Street. Why is he way over there? But he's way over there today. And he meets this woman who has a history to this city and has decided to come back to it after many, many years. Oh my gosh, that's such a lovely story. It's such a good love story, I think. You know, a love story for this city. So uh, I can't wait to have a bigger conversation with her. I am fascinated by people who, you know, do all the things, juggle, 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 juggle. I mean, she has a real routine. I, I Listen, having had four kids, I don't know if I could have juggled children that way. Oh, that would have just wore me out. Oh, but, you know, listen, uh, when my brother first returned home uh, from serving his time, uh, he used to have to work in Waterbury. And so uh, we'd drive him every morning. My, I'd get the kids up. He had to be to work at like 4, 4.30 or something. And, you know, it was like a 40-minute ride. And we'd get the kids up every morning, every morning, and put them, bundle them up, put them in the car, and we'd drive, drive, drive him to work. You know, I didn't have to pick him up, but we had to drive him to work. And uh, my kids did not complain that one bit. They... They saw it as a real treat and they'd get in the car excited and then they'd be out like a light before we even pull out the driveway. So I know something about bumbling children up at God awful hours, you know, doing stuff. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, I look forward to talking to her. I really do. I think that would be a, a wonderful conversation um, to talk to her. Um, and you know what? To connect her into some folks, to some other women in town. I, I don't know what her friend friendship base is, but I'm happy to connect her to folks, you know, so that she she got some other moms. I don't know, I'm sure there's other melanated moms around town, and I'm happy to uh, connect her. That was very sweet. I that made my day. <laughs> that really that really made my day. So this is why I do this job, because I like to talk to people and talking to people is one of my favorite things. So, so 10 o'clock, 10, 15, I've got Daryl uh, Roth and I'm delighted to talk to her about her uh, amazing career in uh, uh, theatrical productions. 
and and all the Tonys and all the things. And, you know, get a sense of where does she see herself going next? Like, what is next? You know, and in such a long, illustrious career, like, what is next? Anyway, I'm so here for it. And uh, and I think they're on to something. Women, uh, that was a good conversation, Harry. A good yeah. word on the street. I can't wait to see what Paul writes up. And I can't wait to see the pictures of that. That cute baby. <laughs> no, I don't got baby fever. <laughs> it's, it's always uh, luck of the draw, right? He just, he picked a good one. I know, but he is way on the other side of town. Like he's way over there on Nickel Street. He like, really want he really wanted to do it on the street too. Like it's not it's not warm outside, Harry, and it's wet. So I don't know if he's driving around or the other day he said the other day when he was doing one on the street, like 20 people told him no before he finally <laughs> got somebody. He's like, wow, this is harder than you know I thought it was. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. You know, but when you get one though, it's so rewarding. You know, because we are we are giving our city, we're giving we're giving ourselves back to our city when we when we do word on the street. You know. So so Beth, are you prepared for World War Three? Why what's hap what is happening? <laughs> the two Russian Who, who's popping off? Oh two Russian the... missiles landed in Poland. Oh Lord. <laughs> That's a NATO country. Harry, Harry, we knew this was coming, right? Did we call this? He's like, yep. watch. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna try it. You know they was gonna try it, Harry. Yeah. Not so just one, two. You know they was gonna two try missiles, it. They killed two people. Oh, they killing people? So, so what are they saying? Are they saying was was it an accident or they meant to do it? You I mean, know, I know Russia, they meant to do it, but <laughs> Russia's not saying anything, but already. We're making, you know, you could hear the excuses that these were deflected missiles that Ukraine was shooting down, and they, they oh, they gonna go with that deflected into <laughs> Poland. Uh, they going with that story. <laughs> they just <laughs> <laughs> so we have that. Okay, all right, Russia, y'all got to get better with these stories. <laughs> you well, think? You think? You think Ukraine is doing that? They all right. <laughs> I, I think the those stories are coming out of NATO countries, and I think it's just because they don't want to go to war. You know, it's they're trying to they're trying to give Russia an out here, saying, "Oh, they didn't intentionally mean to." I know, but everybody's trying to keep giving them an off ramp, Harry, and they yeah. keep driving. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's gonna. You know, you're gonna have to do. You have to go in there and just whoop their ass. That's it. <laughs> you just gonna have to. I think he's begging for. You know how my mama used to say, "You just begging to get your behind beat." <laughs> you, you know what's gonna happen, right? Is we're we're really gonna go through global warming if nuclear bombs pop uh... off. <laughs> we're gonna go through global warming, and then we're gonna go through another ice age. Well, because... the New York Times says, Harry. That NATO and Poland say the missile strike was likely unintentional. Right, they're already saying that. But well, I they got to say that, right? Because they because they say anything else to escalate things. Right. So now, because, one more though, Harry. Then it's on and pop it. 
that's the thing that now these are bombs landing in a NATO country, so they could use what is the Article Five to go to war. You you shoot at one NATO country, you're shooting at all. So it, it's interesting. I mean, but <laughs> but if that doesn't do it bad, if that doesn't end the world, so the science scientists have created a black hole in the bat in the in the lab. They created a black hole in the lab. Well, before we get to that foolishness, so <laughs> back to the to Washington Post says okay. um, that it that uh that NATO and Poland affirmed that the deadly blast, not a Russian attack, but a Ukraine era. So okay. So that's how you de-escalate stuff, right? Like yeah. that's how you keep it from getting to 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 levels where you can't back down. So we're not knocking. So we're not shooting down missiles. We're ricocheting. Well, country. I I've never heard that, but if yeah. that's what they're gonna go with, Harry, then we gotta go with it too. <laughs> so we're we're just nudging the missiles. Well, yeah. <laughs> we're not you shooting know, them down. You know, and we're just pushing them over to the to the, yeah. to, the to the Poland border. But, you know, people got killed. So, you know, you can't have too many of those mistakes. But, you know, Harry, you have to think if you're if a country that is near your country is getting is having a war with another country at some point, it's going to be at your door. I mean, right. Like, I I don't know how we and I don't know how it does it. That's Putin's whole issue, right, that. That NATO is, has been coming too close to Russia, right? So, and he felt he was being surrounded by NATO. So that's why when Ukraine wanted to be part of NATO, he's like, no way, this can't happen. I prefer to go to war and everything because he doesn't want NATO on his front door, which is, it already is, basically. But that's part of the whole issue here. Um, well, I, I think at some point, somebody's going to have to intervene because you cannot, this cannot go on forever. It's going to touch those other countries. I mean, it's just gonna, it's gonna. So. Yeah. I, I mean, fi- finally, I think <laughs> this is the weird thing, right? Finally, um, in the past week or so, they've been talking about maybe trying to find a peace agreement between Ukraine and Russia, and then these missiles get lobbed into Poland. So it's like, I don't I, know. I, Russia doesn't want peace. They they want Ukraine just to surrender, and they're not. So I I, I don't know what this I don't know what this is. Like well, they're not going to surrender. They've already said they will fight, even if they even if Russia overran them, they will spend their lives fighting this invasion and occupation. I mean, they'll just, they'll never, Russians will never have peace in that country. Like it'll always be a conflict. Well, right. And peace, asking Ukraine to negotiate peace is telling them surrender Crimea, this and that. Yeah. Part of that country. So, and Zelensky already said peace for him is, is not surrendering portions of this country and i don't i mean harry think about it if somebody walked into your house broke into your house and said i want your house 
no. and I'm not leaving until you give it to me. Or, or they they take your the front porch. They take your front. And and I'm not leaving here, but we can negotiate peace. <laughs> I'll let you walk through the front porch to your car. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the problem, right? And also they want to um, keep all the resources to, right there to the Black Sea that, you know, so they, they want to be able to control all of them. And so Ukraine is like, oh, wait a minute. This is how we used to deliver the grain and all of this stuff. And now you want to see yeah. everything. See, no. So I just... now <laughs> not only are they on your front porch, but they're in your wallet. And you both say, yeah, okay. I, I still, I'm still bad. I'm still baffled by how they just marched on this country and they just thought they could do it. I just like Harry, these people was enjoying their cities and towns like how we enjoy our cities and towns. People going to work, they were going to the movies, they were sitting in cafes, and the next thing they know, they're a war zone. I I don't get it. I don't get it. They need a they they I don't get it. I would never trust Russia, Russia again. Not that I would trust them. I trusted them anyway, but I would never trust them, Harry. None of those countries, none of those countries are safe. Unless you're in NATO and NATO affords you some cover. But didn't they put in their application for NATO? Didn't they do that? Uh, didn't they put an, know, they put an application for something? They did, but I'm not sure if they got it accepted um they were this is the thing accepting it it becomes so convoluted over there right because accepting nato's application is declaring war with russia because russia said they'll go to war if, if russia if ukraine i mean they're already at war but um so if ukraine actually becomes part of nato that's a no to russia so it's it's all complicated and everybody's still trying to soothe their ego ego your putin's ego because he's the bully on the block yeah sometimes you just gotta smack him in the mouth that's what i say harry just hit him with the black glove <laughs> and be like what <laughs> listen he because his resources their resources is waning too you know, like he don't got unlimited resources and their people are hurting. Russians are hurting. So I, 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 I don't know. Russia's going to turn on him. That's what's going to happen. They're going to turn Harry because they are hungry and they tired and they don't, you know, they don't need this. And, you know, they're sending off their, sending their kids off to this foolishness, husbands and wives and sons, husbands and sons and nephews and God. I mean, they're sending they said and eat their people off to fight this ridiculous invasion. You know, I'm like, be happy in your own country. Russia is huge. Develop it. Spend your time developing it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't get this. Why do you want to take over another country that you can't even take care of? Number one, you can't even take care of your own country. Handle your own country. Develop your country. Like, what are you doing? I don't get it. I don't get it. Make everybody in your country, you know, uh, uh, prosperous. Do that instead of grinding people to the 
dirt. Like you don't even care about these people. These are your people. <sighs> if I rule the world, <laughs> I'm just saying, Harry, give me a different vibe. I, I don't understand these dictators. These dictators are on some ish. I don't get it. I don't get it. That's, but that's the thing. It's they don't get it. They don't get it. The world is not what it used to be. So I mean, sometimes you have to see the changes. <laughs> you can't just you can't dictate to the rest of the world. Well, they try. They I mean, try. How's our how's our, our our folks in North and South Korea? How they doing? Oh no, they they still North Korea still popping off too. Okay. Uh, it's, everybody, everybody wants some attention on the world stage. The world is complicated. Everybody wants some attention on the world stage. And meanwhile, back here, I see your boy threw his hat back in the ring. That's going to be interesting. He's not, he's not going to run. He ain't filed no papers. No, he I, did. He, he filed the papers yesterday. I don't know, Harry. Are you sure? I don't trust nothing that guy says. <laughs> that is too funny. Well, I know those Republicans are going to have to deal with that. It's going to be interesting um, if DeSantis decides to run. He um, is going to run. What do you mean decide? Are you kidding well, me? He hasn't announced yet. So if well, he is this because it's too early? <laughs> It's how, too how early. How is that going to shake out? Because people, people are not interested in seeing a civil war between DeSantis and Trump. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Listen, that's a good ass fundraiser, Democrats. <laughs> get you, get you some HBO or wraparound. Let's get, let's get this fight on. Let's get it on. They're both equally stupid. So you would think that would cancel them out, and it won't. But it'll make for good television. It'll just be sad. But, you know, somebody got to do it. DeSantis is feeling strong. He's like, you know what? I'll do it. Nobody else will want to do it. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's always fun to watch people burn each other. You well, know? I don't know, but I don't. I I I don't know if it's fun to watch people who burn each other. But in this in this regard, I'm here for it because they're just the party of the crazy, and we'll see how this all plays out. And Mitch McConnell's on the ropes too. Oh boy, I I want to see them get it in. I was like, ooh, I gotta watch the shows. <laughs> you're listening, you're listening to Love Babs Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. All right, now let's get to the bizarro stuff. Um, so scientists created a black hole in the lab and then it started to glow. Yeah. Now now the the fear of all of these um these particle colliders and everything is is that it would create a black hole and suck us in. 
right? Like like the black holes do in space, where it basically sucks anything in around it. Um, but we don't fear that, man. We're creating our own black holes, like like it's nothing. You know, we could a simple lab experiment could destroy the world, but nobody cares. Wow. You know, that's always the case. <laughs> I mean, there's, 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 there's so many things that could destroy the world. <laughs> yeah, but... Harry, there's so many things that can destroy the world. Black you know, hole is just... Black hole is just one. Those, they're playing with the Earth, right? So, I mean, I would recommend these guys go pet a bear or something if they want to live dangerously. Oh, no, I... I see. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not against this kind of discovery, right? The, I, the I don't like this kind of discovery. There's no way for them to control. They don't know whether they can control it. That's well, the problem. Well, we don't know. We don't know that because we're not scientists and we're not in the room. We're only. Yeah. I mean, we're not in the space. And and. But the thing you know, is, is that they're always discovering something new, right? So there's just no way for you to know the next thing that comes out of these particle collisions is something that's going to destroy the earth. There's just no way for you to know that. I'm not worried about this destroying the earth. That's that's not what I'm worried about. Because it's not going to be this. It's, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be uh, yeah. coronavirus and that kind of stuff. It'll oh. be that kind of stuff. It's not going to be the black hole. It's going to be our everyday ignorance of taking care of not spreading disease and 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 viruses that that's really what's going to do well, us in i'm not worried about a black hole <laughs> well that that being said we have the new fast spreading new covid 19 subvariant xbb okay a new class of the omicron uh variant so there you go the new fast spreading variant that see that's the stuff right there that uh that i think is gonna do the earth in i do i think it's that eric because you see how resistant people were to just doing basic stuff like not even like not even get the vaccine but just wearing a damn mask <laughs> wash your hands people was like you can't tell me what to do it's that simple stuff right there it'll be that that will kill us <laughs> well Please, people, wash your hands. Please. Please. Don't touch me. <laughs> wash your hands. Put on a mask in spaces. You know, Harry, that's, oh. I think that's what's going to do us in, really. Yeah, I, I don't care about the mask anymore, personally, but. You don't care about the what? <laughs> the mask. Um, unless I need to use it because somebody smells and I can just use that as an excuse. So, so if 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 you see a mask on me, it's because another reason it's not going. So that's what I mean. It'll be it'll be that level of thinking that'll kill us. But I but I appreciate that now I can use a mask without insulting anybody. They they won't know why I'm using the mask. I mean, um, masking is gonna be is gonna come is gonna become part of our reality at some point. Like our everyday practical reality, you know, uh, and that's just what it's going to be. And uh, 
and maybe not this year, next year, two years from now, but at some point, I think so. Uh, I think so. So I think we have to, I think we have to prepare for that as we move into the future, you know, as, as, yeah, I think so. Yeah. See, not, not unless the masks are going to be used properly and you're going to toss out a ma your mask every time you touch it, if, if everything is not going to be done in a proper, you know, form, if they don't create a format where everybody has to follow the same rule, then forget it. I well, we did, well, we, well, we kind of, we did have a format, but people don't want to follow it. I mean, people know better. People know that they needed to change their mask. It's like you change or, your or damn you underwear. It as a chin strap. You know, you knew, you people knew what to do. They just don't want to do it. It's like there are sinks in the bathroom for a reason. Now, whether you choose to wash your hands or not, I, you can't make people do it. This so I've never been in no bathroom, Harry, where there was no sink <laughs> or running water or soap. And you and you've seen people walk out of places not washing their hands. You've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm out of my hand soap, but I usually bring my own hand soap because there there are times where you go to the men's room and there's no soap. Oh, okay. And, yeah, no, I've been in places with this soap, and you're right. Uh, you're right. But still. I, I got to stock up again. I got to go get me one of those four-packs in the closet here. <laughs> All right, let's go take a break. <laughs> you know, I got to do it. Hold on. Don't start stocking up on soap. There's a, there's a world soap shortage. I know where I could get some on the market. Let me call there's Harry be, up. There's gonna be soap on my shelf. There's gonna be paper towels. I know two things. There'll be soap and there'll be paper products that you and canned things. I went downstairs yesterday just to check how low, Lord. how low my stock has gotten in toilet paper and stuff like that. Um, actually, I'm doing pretty well. I know you are, Harry. I know, like, I know it looks like a little Costco down there. Yeah, I was like, wow, okay. I need, a, I need a membership card to go down there. <laughs> I, need a, I need an ID. So, you know, right, let's, yeah, let's go on break. But, you know, the problem is, is that when you have kids that stop when they come to your house, it does become an issue because I'm not keeping a running stock. And I have to do that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we will be back with uh, Daryl Roth in about uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes. So tell people what they got to do. They got to look for the next feed and we'll be back. <laughs> and we right. won't be in a black hole. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> you listen to Love Guys, Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. The time for the link. <laughs>
good morning. Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I am delighted because I'm going to be talking to uh, Daryl Roth, who is an award-winning producer. Let me tell you, she's got, what, 13 Tonys? Uh, she holds the, the the singular distinction of producing seven Pulitzer Prize-winning plays. And if that's not enough, <laughs> she is a trustee of the uh, John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts and, at, and Lincoln Center Theater. And uh, and she's inducted into the Theater Hall of Fame. Uh, welcome, Ms. Roth. Thank How you. are you? Thank you. Daryl, please. <laughs> Listen, you got this big old life and all this experience and all these wonderful uh, plays under your belt. What are you up to these days? That's such a good question because I'm sort of at the point of deciding my priorities, honestly. Um, I kind of am like a kid in a candy store when it comes to producing plays and musicals that I like. And I guess after the pandemic and the years that we've all set, set down thinking about what's important to us, um, I have decided to uh, try to be more selective in a way. Oh. So the things I'm working on, which I'm very excited about, um, the Life of Pi, which is of course based on the beautiful book and movie, uh, which is in London now, uh, is coming to the United States. It will have its developmental put together production at ART in Cambridge, and then we will be bringing it to Broadway in March. So that's very exciting. It's a gorgeous story of hope and, and survival, which seems very pertinent to say the least. Yes. So, yeah, so The Life of Pi, and that's one thing. And then I'm very excited, actually, and, and uh, looking forward to developing a new play with the amazing Delia Efron. Uh, years ago- is she, is she related to Nora Efron? Yes, Delia okay. is Nora's sister, and Nora okay. makes you rest in peace. Together, we did Love Loss and What I Wore for many years together. Um, and Delia has written a book about uh, health and romance experience that she's just been through. And it's so gorgeous that she decided she would love to adapt it as a play, which is what we're doing. So that's something exciting, I have to say. I know that story. Yes. I know that story of her. She Did you was... read it in the paper? Yes, that's I know the story. Gorgeous. And then I think I saw her on CBS Morning News talking about this. How right. she was sick, she fell in love, met, met this guy, fell in love, and it's yes. a crazy I'm story. So, I'm so glad you know of it, because when she explained the whole situation to me, before she wrote the book, I said, Delia, you've got to write this book. <laughs> I mean, first of all, for those of us of a certain age to fall so madly in love and have- yes. That alone is a beautiful story to share, but that coupled with the fact that you were truly at death's door and that this, this love, I think, really helped you come through, of course, with the help of every great doctor in New York City. But, you know, it was the combination of hopefulness and never giving up on, on life and love that makes it such a beautiful story. So she's working on this, the adaptation of her own book to a play. And I'm thrilled to be uh, producing that when the time is right. So that's thrilling. And um, 
in the future, there is a very exciting new musical that's being developed as we speak based on Nancy Drew, which I oh. think, is, you know, a series of books that many of us grew up on and loved. And she was such a plucky gal, you know, it's, it's truly today a story of female empowerment, which is what it was in the days that it, it started its series. And so we're just working on that. So that's kind of exciting. And then I've ventured a little bit into uh, adapting some of the things I've produced for stage uh, for film. And there was this beautiful small uh, play, a one-man play called The Absolute Brightness of Leonard Pelkey. And it's about, um, as many of the things I'm interested in, it's about uh, gender and being true to oneself and you know, finding your brightness wherever that may be. And um, so we're making a movie of that. And that's kind of fun. So I think those are the highlights for the moment that I would share. Mm. <laughs> so now do you, do, you, do you spend any time going back thinking about how you got started and, and lessons learned? Do you do, you do any of that kind of self-reflection? You know, I do because I'm, I'm grateful that my career has been so fulfilling for me. You know, I didn't start producing until I was in my 40s. And I, I talk to young people about the fact that no matter where you start, it's the beginning. And so whether you're young or whether you're older or whether you're in the middle, being able to really find what it is that, that fills you, the passion that, that keeps you going every day and, and keeps you excited about life, is something that you have to go for no matter when it is in the cycle of life. So I think about that a lot because, you know, I'm older now and I've been working in theater for 38 years, which is a long time. <laughs> and I find that reflecting is encouraging. People come into my office and they're, <laughs> they're surrounded by so much stuff. You know, I have pictures and posters and you know, every piece of memorabilia from everything I've done. And I, I think that some people walk in and say, oh my God, I think she's sort of on the brink of being a hoarder. <laughs> I say, although they do love looking at everything. But I say, you know what, it's, it encourages me. So being able to look back and keep going forward, I think is why I surround myself with, you know, the things that have, that have filled my life, honestly. Mm -hmm. So now, what, what do you think of the American theater? It's, it's changing, it's evolving. Um, you know, the pandemic has showed us, um, mm -hmm. um, raised some issues around uh, people of color not being centered or historically not being centered. Like, what do you think of where we are in the American theater? And, and what are your thoughts on where it might go? Well, I think we're definitely in a good place as opposed to where we were. Do I think we have miles and miles to go? Yes, I do. But I, I feel that this season and coming out of the pandemic has really inspired all of us to be much more inclusive, to be much more aware of the voices that need to be heard and that perhaps have not been given the platform, the stage, literally, to be heard. Um, there are a lot of new groups of people that are involved in producing. And for me, it's also an involvement in working in all of the areas of stagecraft. 
it's, you know, kind of opening up that pathway for people who have not heretofore been invited into the workplace of being, you know, designers and, and stage crew and working in press, working in publicity. I mean, there's so many areas of theater that offer wonderful career opportunities that are more than what people usually think is, you know, oh, being on stage or being a director or being a producer, you know, and certainly all that's wonderful, but there's a lot behind the scenes. And I, I think we have to really um, open the doors, kick them open for people who have not heretofore really felt as welcome. Uh, so that's a good thing. I think some of the work that's been presented lately um, has shown audiences that the color lines have to be erased. And we have to show the work of everybody that has something to say. And I think that we've had a good season. Kenny Leone, who is one of my favorite directors, has, has been working very hard. His production of Top Dog Underdog's terrific. I think that um, th there's just been so much good work. I mean, the August Wilson plays that are back with Latonya Jackson directing. I mean, that's glorious. So there's that. I personally have always been waving the baton for more women to come into the field because, I mean, if I go back to your question about looking back in reflection, when I started producing, I was one of the very few women at the table. And so it's been my, my, uh, my wish and my vision and my passion actually to bring more women in. I think now there are lots more women producers, lots more young women coming into the field. There's some things that have to work better for the people that are, you know, trying hard to find their place at the table. But I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the world is changing in general. And theater has always been a place to reflect society, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've tried to choose plays that do that, you know, that put things on stage for people to think about and, and to hold a mirror up to ourselves in order to make us better, at least point out some problems and say, let's talk about this. Let's look about, let's look at how we can make this a better situation. So I've always been very issue driven, if that's a term in the work that I choose. Um, Kinky Boots, for example, you know, on the outside, it seems like a lot of glitter and glam and great fun. It's really an important tale about being true to yourself, accepting yourself, accepting others. And the message of that is, you know, glorious. Or the normal heart, which I did the revival of because I felt it was very important to have uh, the younger gay community understand whose shoulders they stood on and what was going on in the day of the AIDS crisis. So that was great. And it got a lot of people activated, which I do love. Um, when we did the play Wit, you know, it wasn't the most cheerful subject. It was about <laughs> a brilliant professor dying of ovarian cancer. Let's start with that. But it made such a difference in the world. I mean, we did, we did something called Talkback Tuesdays, which was one of the first talkbacks on plays many years ago I'm talking about. And um, we had a lot of medical professionals come and, and caregivers come and see this play. And they talked so honestly and so candidly 
one night we had a, uh, a doctor in the audience who said, you know, it would really be great if you could come to our hospital and do a couple of scenes from the show. And we thought that was a great idea. And we did that. And as a result of that, so many years ago, there is a course that is taught in medical schools now, which is about compassion, ethical compassion. And I feel like we made that happen in a funny way, you know? So what can I say? I think theater is a wonderful way to engage people, to entertain people, to educate people, but to also inspire people to activism and mm -hmm. to make change, which is what I think I love the most about theater. That as, as a producer, I have the uh, great gift of being able to be in a position to choose things that can help in some way uh, change minds and, mm -hmm. and do all those things that I mentioned. I don't know, it feels like a great responsibility and also a great honor. Mm. So when you're picking a play or when plays come across your desk, and I'm sure a gazillion come across your desk, I mean, do you, how, what's the process? How do you decide? How do you know, you know, what will be good or what won't be good? And do you trust your, is that instinct, your gut, your intuition? How do you, how do you make these mm -hmm. decisions? Um, it's such an interesting question. And sometimes I really don't know how I do or why I do, but most of it is instinctive. And, you know, I feel if it's interesting to me, maybe it will be interesting to others. I think about areas that I want to focus on. Um, you know, my wheelhouse apparently <laughs> to others is very eclectic, but to me, it's really quite focused on certain areas. I'm very interested in plays about gender. Uh, my son is gay and from early on, I wanted to be able to sort of, you know, help his, his life. I wanted to expose people to plays about gender. So that's important to me. It's very important to me to do plays that have strong women at the core. Wit, we mentioned Proof, which was a wonderful play. Oh, yes. A woman who solved this math proof and nobody believed that she could or did. Um, that was Beacon. Uh, all of the Edward Albee plays for me, um, you know, are just amazing. I think he writes women characters better than, than most. And of course, doing Paula Vogel's work in Decent and How I Learned to Drive. So stories about women, stories about gender, stories about my own Jewish heritage are important to me. And, um, you know, family dynamics, basically. I think of August Osage County for a really good example. Um, I, I, those are the pockets that I'm looking at mostly, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, how do I choose? Sometimes the choices are based on what else is going on in my life. Can I do this? Is there a place I can develop a new play? And sometimes I join other producers who already have done the development of something. And I want to, you know, kind of jump on the train because I, I love the idea. I love the work and I don't have to carry the load all by myself. So that's good too. You know, there are lots of ways you can be a producer. You can, uh, as an independent commercial producer, which is what I am, uh, I can work in, in partnership with nonprofit theaters and start work and then move it on to the commercial life. Um, I can work with other producers or I can just develop my own work. So all three of those um, avenues are ways that I, that I produce. 
but I guess the simple answer to your question is yes, it's my instinct and my gut and being kind of true to what it is that I want to be responsible for putting out there in the world. Mm. Well, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that um, from, from what I understand, um, you, you uh, uh, supported Elder Play Project here at the Long Wharf Theater through uh, Theater Forward back in 2016, 2017. I, I'm on the board of Long Wharf Theater, so let me just say oh. that because, because I love theater. Um, I go to theater all over the place. Um, and I don't know if you know that we are we have moved toward an itinerant motto that the whole country is sort of looking at because you know theater is changing, and we're we we have we have we are moving out of that uh, hallowed sacred space of uh, Sergeant Drive. Long, long wharf over there um, on the canal docks. And so we are creating an itinerant model. We are going to do theater. The New Haven will be the stage for the Long Wharf Theater and all its spaces. And it's exciting. That's scary. Very <laughs> exciting. Well, I have a, a Yale graduate granddaughter who is a theater Yay! performance <laughs> gal. So I know there are some really interesting spaces around New Haven because she's performed in some of them. <laughs> well, you know, the, the history of Long Wharf Theater was, was to bring theater to places where theater didn't exist. And so here we are in 2022, going back to our roots. I love that, that, that that's happening because sometimes, and here's an example of where I think the pandemic was actually helpful in life. And that between the Zooming and, and us bringing things to people, right? We got more people engaged. Mm. And so this is what you're doing obviously is in person and that's the best of it all. But it, it is true that sometimes we have to bring the mountain to Mohammed, <laughs> you know? So I'm all for that. Um, good, you know, Paula Vogel has started something called Bard at the Gate, which came mm. out of the pandemic. She um, is doing, you know, readings of new plays on Zoom because when we did that during the pandemic, uh, we found that more and more people subscribed and, and were engaged. So that's something that is a remnant in a good way. So do you, do you think about the future of theater? Do you think about the production content moving forward? Do you think about you know, uh, all the ways in which theater can grow outside of theaters. I mean, do you, do you have opportunity to do that kind of thinking? Uh, do you mean venue-wise? Venue-wise and content-wise and yeah. community-wise. I do think about that. And, and years ago, I think I did something that fits that bill in terms of both subject and venue. I don't know if you remember years ago, there was something called De La Guarda. And mm. then after that, Ferza Bruta. And that was a, an exciting chapter for me personally, because uh, I have this theater space downtown in Manhattan on 15th Street. And it was in its previous life, an old bank. So it can be very flexible space. And when I first took over the space, I was approached by a young producer about this performance piece, I guess I'll call it, called De La Guarda, which was a combination of storytelling and acrobatics and flying and, and no words, just music and feeling and emotion. And you would stand, 500 people would stand and look up and it happened around your heads. I mean, it was 
performance art at its finest. And that lasted, believe it or not, for nine years, nine years in the space. And then they came back with a, I like to call it the cousin, which was called Ferza Bruta. Uh, point I'm making is that it's very non-traditional theater in a venue that is not a traditional theater. And it was very exciting, very exciting. I like doing things like that. You know, sometimes they're cost prohibitive, finding spaces. But since doing that, a lot of people come to us and say, you know, can you help us find an interesting venue or, or would you be interested in this, you know, very <laughs> off the wall piece of theater? <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes I'm interested and sometimes it's too crazy for me, you know, or, or I'm focusing on something else, but I like non-traditional theater. I think it engages people that might not necessarily come to theater. And yet after they've seen something or experienced something, you know, I say, let me try something else now. Let me expand my own horizons. So I love the idea of, you know, thinking outside the box, literally. Mm. Now, do you have much opportunity to go to go to theater? I mean, do you do you get everything to see everything on Broadway? <laughs> I I try to see a lot of things, and off Broadway, which I really love. And I I don't travel all that much, but when I go to London, I try to you know have a really wonderful, you know, pack in as many shows as I can kind of vacation. Uh, yes, I try to see a lot. I try to support the nonprofit theaters in the city, especially. So I will. You know, I've been on the board of Lincoln Center Theater for a number of years. I love the work they do and, and MCC and MTC and Atlantic and primary stages. I, I, the good work is starting, you know, I like to say like a tree and its roots, right? The good work starts at the root of the nonprofit world. Um, and then if it can grow and become a piece of commercial theater, great. And sometimes it doesn't, and that's great too, you know, as long as it's being born and it's being put out in the world, that, that's all good. So talk, let's go back to, talk to me about being the only woman in the room for a very long time and, <laughs> and the responsibility, or maybe not the responsibility of opening the door for other women. And do you, do you feel that, that that's part of your charge? Uh, Yes, I would say that in the beginning, I wasn't the only woman, of course, Liz McCann, who was my partner on all the uh, Edward Albee plays, and Nell Nugent, there were some women really, you know, ahead of me even. But when I started producing, there were three or four of us. I think it is our responsibility, yes. And I think that passing the baton is all part of what mentoring is about. And so I have done that through the years. Not necessarily someone you know, living in my office, but conversations with women, you know, on a regular basis, helping encourage them, sharing scripts. Um, I see so many more women now that are willing to take the charge, you know, so I feel good about that. I think it was hard for me in the beginning and I don't see young women having those same challenges now, but I think it's generational, honestly. For example, I didn't come up through the ranks of theater. You know, I had not worked as a general manager. I had not worked in another theater job. When I started um, producing, it was kind of like the Nike commercial. I just did it and felt <laughs> some kind of weird confidence that I could. Um, but I was looked at by other people in the business as a dilettante because I hadn't, you know, 
had the training or the experience, but I had the passion. I had hopefully good taste in what I was choosing to do. And I was choosing plays that other people weren't so excited about because they were extremely challenging. And so I sort of found my, my aisle to go down, you know, and that was helpful. I think the other thing that's changed, and this is another generational thing, I believe, it was very hard for me to ask for money, to ask other people for money. Um, because in my day, you didn't talk about money, especially if you were a woman. I mean, you'd be at the dinner table and, and money was not a conversation necessarily. And so asking other people for money, which of course is a big part of being a producer, was very hard for me, uh, very hard. I sort of had to put on a mask and pretend I was playing a role when I would ask people for money and it made it easier. Um, young women don't have that problem, it seems to me right now. That's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different thing. Um, and the other part of, of the difference that I see is that young women are much more entrepreneurial now than I think in my day. And I love that. I love that. Um, you know, we have to find our own confidence. When I was starting, I had to shut out a lot of negative noise of people that, you know, did not encourage me. Nobody was rooting for me. I did not feel that. Now, I think people are rooting for people. And I think it's a, especially women for women you know, bringing women into the fold and encouraging women, you know, to find those projects with other women that they can work with. Seems to be that, uh, that that's really been a great giant step forward from the mm -hmm. time that I started. And I saw the evolution. I don't mean to say, you know, from 1988 to now, uh, things have changed along the way. The journey has been very uh, encouraging, I will say. So, have you thought about your memoirs? Have you thought about <laughs> putting down on paper the story of your life or some of the story of your life? No, actually. I have and no one has came to you and said, hey, Daryl, let's do this. <laughs> you know, it's funny. One or two people did. And I don't think it's what I want to do. I want my, I want the work that I produce to sort of be my memoir. Mm -hmm. I think I really feel Perhaps my legacy is best uh, is best described by the work that I've done. I would say that. I'm not much into writing books. I'm into reading books, <laughs> but not writing books. <laughs> what are you reading these days? What's on your nightstand? On uh, my nightstand. Um, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm rereading Amor Taub's uh, Rules of Civility. Uh, oh. I realized because we're trying to make... Oh, I forgot to mention this. There's something for the future. Uh, Gentleman from Moscow. Um, that's going to be a play. And oh. that's, I think, one of his wonderful works. I'm reading that. And I'm reading, I'm catching up on some plays. Uh, Charles Bush, whose work I've produced over the years, has a new play. And that's on my nightstand. In fact, I hope to get to that later today, honestly. <laughs> I love his work. Um, the Tale of the Allergist Wife was one of, my first plays that I did of Charles. And in fact, we're trying to make that into a movie. It's been a long process, but we might be getting closer. I love Charles's work. He's so brave and he's so great. And, you know, he really is a free spirit and has been true to himself all these years. Um, so catching up on plays, I would say. 
Mm. So I know you, you, what brings you to New Haven is uh, you're going to be uh, in conversation with three other women, uh, women in producing uh, from the, from the page to the stage at the Schwartzman Center tomorrow. And uh, to be three, three, three very different women talking about your lives and producing. Um, Zibi Owens, who is a memoirist and essayist and author and entrepreneur, and uh, Camila Forbes, who is a uh, producer at the Apollo Theater. So these are, y'all are three very different women, but all producing, producing women. Um, I, I think that's a lovely mix of, of women. Do you know any of them anyway? Uh, I do know Zibi. Um, Zibi is a wonderful young woman. I actually, I'm a friend of her mom's, which is how I know Zibi, outside of her wonderful, uh, exciting career. And I met Camilla, but I don't uh, know her as well as I would like to. Uh, so we've all met one another. Um, and I think it will be a lively discussion. I do. I and it's good so. that we're all from different areas, you know, so it will bring, it will bring, I think, a, a lively conversation for those that come. So before I before we uh we wrap up our conversation, uh, Daryl, tell me what what is the the one thing that you haven't done that you that you want to do that there's something out there that you've you know it's just mm -hmm. out of reach and you're like you know what I think this might be the time to reach for it. Hmm. What an interesting question. Um, I try to always be grateful for what I have on my plate, but if I were to wish a bit. I think I would, professionally anyway, I, I would wish that I could, in fact, uh, turn some of the plays that I love, that I want to last more into film so that they could be seen and they could be enjoyed. Uh, sometimes, you know, they don't find their audience at the time that they're being produced. And so we depend on the future for the plays to be licensed and done in different cities and whatnot. But I kind of feel that if some of them were really captured on film, they would truly last. So I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. And I guess the other thing on my wish list is that I continue uh, finding good projects to produce until I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really my big wish because I do love theater. I love live theater. I think there's nothing like it. And the, the engagement in the community that, you know, that comes out of that is something that we can all be very proud of and grateful for, I think. Well, you have uh, you have added such vibrancy and uh, uh, richness to the American theater uh, that is unmatched. And uh, and I'm so glad I had opportunity to talk oh, to you today. You're so sweet to say that, and thank you. I, I am too. Well, let's continue our new friendship. And I, I absolutely will. I'm excited about the Longmore poll thing. That's, that's news to me, and I'm really very happy that's happening that that's exactly what we need to have happen bring theater to the people yes we're doing it it's a brave new world good for you good for doing you. it so right. thank you so much and thank yes you. i i definitely would love to stay in touch with you because i think this is an ongoing conversation i'd love it too okay that that's a deal all right Thanks. so take good care happy holidays a good all thanksgiving yep and stay healthy and stay you happy too. On we go, right? All right. Enjoy your conversation tomorrow and uh, we'll Thank connect you. soon. All right. Stay in touch. Thank you, Daryl. All right. Bye-bye. So if y'all are interested, go to the Schwartzman Center.
from the page to the stage women in producing tomorrow 12 o'clock bring a lunch it'll be a good conversation from 12 to 2 you will not be disappointed plus the Schwartzman Center is swanky it's a very swanky space so I'm out good people thank you tomorrow 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 I am uh chatting with uh who am I talking to tomorrow Oh, Sean, Sean Hardy and Andrea Daniels, they've got a production too, and we're going to hear about it tomorrow. So thank y'all for listening. Harry, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank y'all. Y'all be safe out there. Mm-hmm.